welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log, Day 108, The Attack on Beauty. Yesterday, we talked about seeking beauty. We talked about this idea of beauty as an objective good, as of beauty as a reflection of God, as a, in some ways, a quality that can't be divided from holiness, the practical implications of beauty, why you should have it in your life. And today's episode is going to be a, a cousin to that episode, right? We've done this in the past, where I'll take some sort of let's call it a virtue of some sort, and I'll make an episode on the, maybe the danger of it and the power of it. Or, you know, they come in pairs. Today's episode is going to be like that, the attack on beauty. I want to talk about modern culture's attack on beauty. This is meant to be informative, mostly, right? I can't really foresee a practical takeaway from this, except for warning you against it and why it's something you should look out for. So if you're here for the practical tips, right, if you're here for the how to lift more, how to earn more, how to behave better and those kinds of things, this could genuinely be the kind of field log that you want to skip. But if you're down for 20 minutes of, call it philosophy maybe, and some theology, then stay tuned because I think that this is genuinely an important topic, something that we as men, especially as Christian men, have to recognize is happening in the world. So the first thing I want to start off with is a story that I told in yesterday's episode, but I want to repeat it because it's going to set the tone for what we're going to be talking about today, right? There's this contest, or maybe not contest, but there was this uh, some, some sort of survey done about what the most influential piece of art in the 20th century was, right? Art critics were asked, what do you think is the most influential piece of art in the 20th century? And the piece that won is Dijon's urinal. Now, there was an artist who saw a urinal, and I assume it was somewhere in a bathroom, and he said, you know, this would make a very good piece of art. He genuinely saw something that men urinate into and said that this is art. So he took it off the wall, they put it into a museum, and it was considered so groundbreaking that it was voted the most influential piece of art in the 20th century. Another story that's in a similar vein, although not as egregious, is the story of the Impressionists. Now, I will be the first one to admit that I do have a guilty pleasure for Impressionism. I find Impressionist paintings very beautiful, right? And of course, if you look at art history and you look at, let's say, the turn of the 19th to the 20th century, right, 1880, 1890, all the way into the 19th century, might be getting those dates wrong by 10 or 20 years. It was the peak of what was called romanticism, where art was already starting to deviate from objective ideals of God, but it was still visually beautiful. Like if you, you know, go on Google and type in romantic art, right, you're going to see these very beautiful naturescapes, mountains, lakes, right, these kinds of things. Well, there was an institution called the Salon in France, which was the gold standard for what what, what an artist had to do 
is you had to be educated at the salon and then you had to paint with these particular techniques. And there were certain pieces of subject matter that were allowed to be painted. And you can think about that what you will. But the point is that there was a group of men who were very unsuccessful in the eyes of the salon, who, whose paintings were never selected for the salon exhibits. And they decided that they were going to make their own exhibit. And these group of men ultimately turned out to be the Impressionists, right? Who painted with a very blotchy style. Their brushstrokes were very obvious. And Impressionism truly was in some ways the beginning of the end. Now, if you have gorgeous art and then you deviate one or two things, what's left over will still be very beautiful. But that's always how it starts, right? And then eventually we got post-Impressionism and then Expressionism. And then it just gets worse and worse. We get into Modernism and, and abstract art and all of that garbage. But the point was that there was a rebellion against beauty, right? That art in the last 100-something years has been a rebellion against beauty. And if you think that this is all just theoretical and that this is not going to impact you in your daily life, look around you, right? Look at buildings like Hagia Sophia, right? An old Orthodox church that was built, I'm not exactly sure when, but probably within the first four or 500 years of Christendom, still standing to this day. And then look at the structure that you're in right now. If you're anything like me, you're in a modern apartment building or, apart- or house. These structures are thrown up in two or three months. And they last for maybe 30, 40 years before they need significant repairs. Beauty being attacked by the modern ethos is something that impacts all of us, right? If you look at a modern fashion show, it's grotesque, right? You have men and women painted in, can only be described as as, as demonic makeup and, and wearing clothes, maybe rags, maybe oversized blocky colors in this attempt to attack the very concept of beauty. And if yesterday's episode, which by the way, if you haven't listened to it yet, you definitely should. It's going to set a lot of the context here. If yesterday's episode hasn't convinced you that beauty is something holy, something good, I'll say the same thing I said yesterday. Walk into an Orthodox church, right? Most of you listening to this are Orthodox. And if you're not, of course, I strongly encourage you to visit an Orthodox church. It's gorgeous. The icons are gorgeous. The the priests are wearing robes with intricate, detailed patterns, gold and silver and white and and blue and red, depending on the the season. If you look at the censer, right, the little metal ball on a chain that the priest or the deacon is swinging around with the incense in it, it's gorgeous. If you listen to the music that's being sung, it's gorgeous. Right? This is one of the great failings of modern Protestantism is that half the time you walk into a Protestant church, you don't even know you're in a church anymore. Where are the crosses? Where are the icons? And where's the beauty? It looks like a convention center. In fact, some churches hold worship in a convention center. Now, of course, there are Orthodox missions that do that for a time being, but always desperately yearning for their own church building, for a beautiful structure that proclaims the glory of God. So the things of this world that are good, the things of this world in this world that are holy, the things beyond this world, of course, that are holy and good, are beautiful, right? We made that connection yesterday. I made that argument yesterday, and I will admit that it wasn't my strongest argument I've ever made because it was sort of hard to define what exactly beauty is. But maybe that argument convinced you, and I hope it did convince you, that things that are of God are beautiful. But even if you see a moment that's very touching, right? You're watching a movie and someone sacrifices himself or... Someone loves very deeply. It's very touching, right? It's beautiful. We describe it as beautiful. So the attack on beauty 
in my mind, is part of the modern ethos because it attacks everything that we hold holy. Right? As men living the warrior king ethos, we defend beauty. Right? We defend against the forces of modernism the destruction of that which is beautiful. First and foremost, in, in the theological sense, but also, let's say, nature, for example, right? We should preserve nature whenever we can. The metropolis, the, the cities, the, the concrete jungles, it's not the way man was meant to live, right? We know that. So the first thing you have to recognize as a man is that beauty is valuable, right? And that's what yesterday's theologue was about. Why is beauty valuable? Why should you seek out beauty? Why is beauty something that you should connect with on a daily basis, if possible, as much as you can, right? You have to understand that beauty is valuable. And then you have to recognize that beauty is being attacked. Look at modern art, really. There are two museums near where, where I live. Well, there are more than two, but there are two specifically that I like to point out. There's one in one city, and then there's one in a neighboring city. They're very close to each other, 20, 25 minutes maybe. One of them has a very large classical exhibit. This is the, the museum that I mentioned yesterday, right? The North Carolina Museum of Art. As sculptures and paintings, right? 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 years old, maybe older. Beautiful art, right? When man was not as polluted by the spirit of the age as he is now, right? The spirit of the age. Very famous phrase that Father Seraphim used to use. And then the other one, predominated by modern art, right? Depicting grotesque images, right? violent, demonic, ugly images. Right? This is not something we stand for. This is something we stand against. We have to protect classical beauty. We have to protect beauty and that which it represents. Most men who are Christian will readily affirm that there is an attack on goodness, right? That morality is under attack. Subjective morality is that which is being pushed now, right? This idea that what's true to you, what's good for you might not be good for me, right? This, what's called the non-aggression principle. As long as what I'm doing isn't harming anyone else, I can do whatever I want. Well, the, the issue with that, philosophically even, is that you become your own standard for what is moral and that just doesn't work because if everyone is his own standard, then there is no such thing as morality. And then even your own standard is, is, is pointless. It can't be backed up. You cannot be your own standard for morality. So we know that there's an attack on morality. The things that we know that are good, God, right, family, these kinds of things, are being attacked, undermined, argued against. There's an attack on truth, right? Objective truth is being, being brought into question. Well, we have goodness being attacked. We have truth being attacked. So we have to recognize that beauty is being attacked. And if we value goodness, because it's of God, it is God, right? If you value truth, because truth is of God, is God, then we must value beauty, which is of God, which is God. Now, of course, many men, especially the men who aren't artists, I, I understand that. I understand that this isn't something you think about a lot, right? The attack on beauty. But you have to. It's, you have to take a holistic view here. You have to defend everything that's from God, right? This is our job as men, right? I talk all the time about how we sacrifice ourselves 
and how we sacrifice ourselves for our communities and our family and, and for our church and how we work hard to, to make things good for the people around us, to, to make it so that they have to work less, that they're in less danger, that they can be healthy. All of these things, this, that's all good. Well, in that same token, we have to preserve the, the natural and human-created beauty that's around us. The only argument you really need to fully understand why the attack on beauty is so egregious is the Bolsheviks, right? The communist Soviet Russia. Communist Soviet Russia committed some of the most egregious atrocities ever seen in the history of mankind, right? Many people will talk about World War II and they'll talk about the Holocaust and six million people died under the hand of, of Hitler. Well, Stalin killed many more millions, and I don't know exactly what the number is, but it's somewhere around 20 million people under his rule, right? Tore down Orthodox churches, murdered priests, chopped up priests in front of their families, buried nuns alive. You can read up on all of this, right? This is all public record. In an effort to eradicate every semblance of the love of God from Russia, right? And another thing they did is attack beauty, right? I gave the example of brutalist architecture. This idea that the structure that a human lives in should be as simple and reproducible and bland as possible, almost as if the ugliness was a goal in and of itself. So just by association, you can start to see especially if you're orthodox, that the attack on beauty so systematically carried out by the Soviets is inspired by their hatred of God. Right? And if you want a really good argument on this, there is a book called Nihilism by Father Seraphim Rose, which talks about all of the aspects of the, the nihilistic worldview, the spirit of the age, in a lot more detail. And specifically, it mentions the attack on art, and it talks about art movements and how they are a product of that same spirit. Right? This is the argument. The argument is that the spirit of God, the spirit of pursuing holiness, motivates us to make beauty, right? to seek out beauty and goodness and truth. And that the spirit of the times, the spirit of nihilism, seeks to destroy everything, right? Nietzsche said to be a nihilist isn't just to claim that truth doesn't exist. It's to be active and destroy, to put your shoulder to the plow, is what he said, roughly. And you can read all about that in Nihilism, and I'll link that in the show notes if I remember. Nihilism by Father Seraphim Rose. Incredible book. It's about 110 pages, maybe 100 pages It'll change your view on this if I can't. So the only argument you really need to, to, to see that the attack on beauty is something that concerns you personally is one, God is beauty and the love of God motivates us to seek out beauty and to make beauty. Two, the hatred of God, nihilism, atheism, leads to the hatred of beauty and all you have to do is pick a camp. Which one am I? Right? The first commitment of the warrior king is to God. Given nothing else, I will be content to live in constant communion with Him. Communion with God, in large part, consists of experiencing God's beauty. Right? 
among other things. So the attack on beauty concerns all of us, right? When humans are surrounded by ugliness, it destroys our soul. It kills our soul, right? The, one of the other things I said in yesterday's episode was that the people living in the brutalist apartment buildings in Soviet Russia desperately tried to make those places beautiful. They hung art on the walls, right? And this is all in the beauty book that I mentioned yesterday. You can find that in yesterday's show notes. They desperately tried to make the space beautiful. And as soon as Soviet Russia fell, people fled those structures. They were so life-destroying. They were so soul-crushing that people fled those structures. So the attack on beauty is real. The spirit of the age persecutes beauty. Right? Self-mutilation. Right? Putting on things that make you uglier. Fashion that makes you ugly. Living in structures that are ugly. And I'm using, of course, ugliness as a as the opposite of beauty, not as the opposite of attractiveness, right? You know, some people are born more attractive, less attractive. That's all fine. I'm not saying that in order to be a good person, you have to be conventionally beautiful. Although, you know, pursuing the beautification of yourself through, you know, healthy eating and exercise and all of that is all fine. That is absolutely something I support. But of course, we have to avoid vanity as much as we can, and modesty is, is a virtue. But the attack on beautiful art... Right. The next time you're in your car and you're driving, look around you. Look at the newer buildings and look at the older buildings. Which ones are more visually appealing to you? Right. The next time you're driving through the city, look at the concrete. Listen to the sounds of the car horns. And then when you're in the country, listen to the nature sounds. Which one is more soothing to your soul? Beauty in nature gives us life. Right? That's why people love to go hiking. That's why people go on walks. Right? What a wasteful activity that is to walk through nature. Nothing gets done. Work doesn't get done. Of course, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek because there's nothing wasteful about experiencing God's creation and God's beauty. So like I said yesterday, we have to seek out beauty. But beyond that, we have to recognize the attack on beauty and we have to actively work against it. We have to Support beauty, fun beauty, right? When I, when I go to the museum and there's a little donation box, right? The museum's free. I, I drop a tenner or 20. I want to support beauty. But if you're going to be buying yourself a pair of boots or shoes, don't just get the practical ones, get the ones with a nice cut. Small things like that, seeking out beauty, desiring beauty in your life. Another example I gave yesterday, right? When you're arranging your icon corner, pick a layout that's pleasing to the eyes. The icons themselves are already beautiful, but you can do more. So we have to recognize that the attack on beauty is real. And we have to recognize that this impacts us. That the world is becoming uglier as we speak. And that your children will suffer because of this, if you're blessed with children, eventually. They will suffer because ugliness eats your soul, right? Another example I gave yesterday is that plants on your desk, right? Nature makes you happier, helps you work at a better pace, right? It's, it's even practical. So the attack on beauty impacts all of us. And that's just something for you to ponder today, right? This isn't one of those episodes about a specific topic where you're going to do a specific thing that's going to yield some specific result. This is a general call of your attention 
to a phenomenon that you might not have noticed. I am an artist. I noticed this, right? I've read art history. I've studied the history of classical music in, in university, college. And I notice when I'm drawn to things that I know aren't beautiful, but they're still attractive to me. And I notice what that says about me and the corrupt state of my spirit. So we have to seek out beauty and not let the ugly get a hold of us. So that's all I want you to think about today. Is that there is an attack on beauty. I want you to recognize it. And I want you to fight against it when you can. In small ways, in big ways, whatever it is for you. Right? One day, maybe you're blessed with great wealth and you keep working. And eventually you can hunt fun, beautiful things. I've mentioned this a few times on the field log before. One of my life dreams is to fund the building of an Orthodox cathedral, a big cathedral. So things like that are our responsibility. We have to uphold the things that are of God and fight against the attacks on those things. And the first step to doing that in the realm of art is to recognize that there is an attack on beauty. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.